to exemplify and shine that life to others as you've shown it to us. I just pray for strength tonight on your people. Just I pray you're, you're overshadowing even now upon your house, upon your people. Or they've worked hard all day. They've gone to school. We just pray for quickened minds and quickened bodies in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. You love the Lord? God is good, isn't he? Praise God. Well, he is an awesome God. He is an awesome God. Tonight we're going to be looking at the gift of mercy. Let's let's turn back into Romans 12. We're kind of the foundation chapter. Just kind of read this few verses here a little bit. And then I'm going to give you some verses here. We're going to look at some together on this particular passage here. I'm going to start with verse 4, Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then differing gifts differing according to the grace that has been given to us. That grace, of course, is God's favor. That grace, of course, is that divine ability in your life. And that grace, and I want to just make this as so practical and simple as possible. When, it, when we talk about the grace of God and these specific gifts, these are things that are so inside of your life, they're so part of you that these particular gifts and a phrase that will come to mind is they come naturally for you. It's something that comes natural. For those who have the gift of exhortation, you love to gab. You love to talk. You're just an orator. You love to exhort, preach, teach. The same thing with the gift of teaching. There are those who have the gift of serving. The people who have the gift of serving, they, not they may not necessarily be in the leadership capacity, but they have an eye for the practical things that need to be done. They just have a, have a, they just see something in the room that needs fixing. Chairs need to be set in order. The house needs to be put together. They just have a natural, uh, uh, intuitive desire to put things in order to make people comfortable, that puts things together. Those who have that particular gift of serving. Uh, they also are people that are very diligent. Uh, they have a, a specific order in their life. They know what needs to be done in the right order. We've looked at some of those things already. Uh, but tonight we're going to be looking at the mercy gift. Let's read on here what Paul here says. Having the gifts differing according to the grace that has been given to us, let us use them. Everyone say use it. God wants you to use that gift that has been given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. But let me just stop right here. I want you to hear what he is saying. If you have this gift, he's saying, then prophesy. If you have the gift of mercy, then show mercy. If you have the gift of serving, then show serving. The reason I say that is because over the years, and I, I appreciate uh, the heart and the spirit of people that come to me on this issue. 
but sometimes I have a lot of people that will say this. Pastor, I just feel led to say something, but I just don't want to be out of order. I don't want to be out of order. I don't want to mess anything up. And, uh, and they're so afraid to move out in their gift. And I want, at least at New Life, I'm one kind of a guy. I like to, I like to get people launched out. I want you to launch in your gift. But I also want you to realize that part of launching out is uh, there's some accountability. There's going to be some relationship. There might even be a little bit of critiquing. Uh, there's going to be some relation. You, you, you must be open to that. I, I, I kind of look at myself as a pastor. I, I'm like a coach. I'm going to be coaching you. Uh, some people... They want to start in ministry, and they don't want anybody. Oh, don't, don't tell me. I'm just going to trust in the Holy Spirit. I don't need anybody to give me any guidance or any insight or anything. I can do it on my own. Or the other extreme is this. They don't do anything at all. They have these extremes out here. you got some people that have come out of church backgrounds and denominational backgrounds, and we meet them all the time, and especially in the Dallas Fort Worth, where pastors have put such fear on people. And they say, you better not say anything, do anything, unless you absolutely know for sure that God told you to do it. So what does that do to everybody? Well, I won't do anything. Since God hasn't told me to do it, because I really don't know if God told me to do it, I won't do anything. That is sad. So then you've got a paralyzed church, and you've got all the workload on the leaders or pastors doing it all, and that's, that's a really a crippled church. That's a paralyzed. Part of the purpose of the gifts is for you to come into that place of purpose and destiny. God has a purpose for everyone. And part of your discovering that gift is when you get in amongst people and you begin to discover desires. Everything starts with desire. Secondly, you begin to cultivate desire and you begin to put into use, you begin to serve, and then you begin to recognize abilities. Abilities are going to surface in your life. And one of the things that you're going to find that, that are going to be a real indication about your gifting is that you're going to have the witness, not only in yourself, but your wife, or the leadership, they're going to say, you have a teaching gift, or you have a ministry gift, or you have a children's ministry. But if, if you, now most people, if you don't have the gift, they probably are not going to come up to you and say, Athea, don't teach, you don't have it. Most people won't do that, because they're not going to do that. But um, it just it just won't happen that way. Most people are not going to do that. They're more sensitive, they're usually sensitive, but you will begin to bear witness. There's also a natural flow in any gift that you may have. There's a, just a natural attraction, there's a natural uh, understanding, there's an insight that just, it just flows out of you. I love what Louis Armstrong used to say, a great trumpet player. He says, he says this, you either got it or you don't got it. You know, it's the truth. You got it or you don't got it. And you have it or you don't have it. And, and so, but, but you need to start somewhere. Start somewhere. 
And uh, I, you know what? There was a day way back when I was in my college days. Bill, you will get a kick out of this. I actually tried out the sound room. And I will never forget, uh, what was his name? Terry, can't remember his last name. It was Terry Iverson or somebody like that. He uh, comes up to me and says, Ray, do you really feel your giftings in the sound room? Do, do you really feel that? Because you're kind of messing the knobs up. You know, you're just, you're not, you're not a knob person. You're not a button-pushing, knob-turning kind of a guy. You have not found it. And so I just said, well, I was just trying to serve. Well, amen, I'll tell you. And you know what I ended up doing? They removed me from the sound room, and I became the errand boy. I was running back and forth and pulling cords and bringing breaker boxes and everything else and pedals. And, but they completely, so nicely said, Ray, you're not in the sound room. So I, I got the, I got the now I could have gotten offended. I could have said, Bless God, I'm out of this church. They told me I'm no good in the sound room. Or I could have taken it and said, you know what? Okay, Lord, thank you for showing me through my brothers and sisters. That means you you've got another place for me to fit. Instead of getting all bent out of shape because somebody said you don't have it, let's don't get bent out of shape, okay? There's so many people today that get so easily offended. They just need to grow up. You know, just understand that if you can't sing, sing in the shower. But you're not going to sing in church. <laughs> if you can't work in the sound room, it's okay. Maybe there's some other place. And there is a place for everyone. And uh, but 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 you keep trying until you find it, you know. And so, and you'll find it, and you'll flourish in that area. But here Paul says, verse six. Let us use it. If prophecy, then prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. Or ministry, or serving. Let us use our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We're going to look at some of these gifts. The, on your notes tonight, the definition, the Greek definition of mercy is the word means to show kindness towards the miserable and the afflicted with a desire to relieve them, to have compassion. And most people who show mercy will usually do it with a readiness of mind. Why? Because those who show mercy get involved with those people who tend to be more negative. It's interesting. You will find people that have this gift are not only show mercy, but they are tremendous encouragers. And they're attracted to people who are usually down and out and miserable. Where everyone else, most people will stay away from people that look down and out and look miserable. But if you have this gift of mercy, you have a tendency and you're attracted to people that are down and out because a person has this gift, they want to lift them up. Uh, they will go to great lengths to help them change their 
outlook and their view of themselves or they will they will be a cheerleader they will come alongside and and when everyone else has rejected that person a person with the gift of mercy will come along saying we're going to make it i'm going to stand with you to the bitter end i'm not going to you know you can count on me i'm your friend person with the gift of mercy has that tenacity and and they're they're just i i call them the super glue in the body of christ they just stick with you they'll call you up say i just wanted to call you today to find out if you're doing better are you doing okay how you feeling about the world today the person with the gift of mercy has those qualities they call up they're they're, they're concerned they are concerned about the emotional well-being they're not necessarily and this is Part of the weaknesses with the gift of mercy, but not necessarily unless they're grown and matured in the Lord. But the weaknesses of, of a person with the mercy gifting is they may not necessarily necessarily show a lot of concern about where the person is in their walk with God. They're, they can tend to be embrace a lot of the gray. People with the gift of mercy do not like the chlorotic kind of personality they're the opposite of people who are black and white uh, now ironically people with the gift of mercy can be attracted to the black and white kind of people the gift of mercy loves everybody i love everybody everybody's important and i, I just love everybody and they're all going to go to heaven everybody they're all going to go to heaven don't you ever dare ever say anybody everybody's going to hell don't you ever people have the gift of mercy cannot handle the fact that anybody's going to hell because they're all mercy and and the guy who's usually your prophets are your black and white they're the ones who draw the line they're going to say these guys are going to heaven these guys are not going to make it they're going to hell the bible says it and the person with the gift of mercy says how dare you use scripture you use it like a baseball bat you're beating up the people I wouldn't want to go to heaven with you even there. I See, because the, the, the mercy-minded person, all they see is the hurting. I see the hurting. I feel the hurts. Don't get up and start preaching black and white and drawing lines and saying, Thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord, black and white. Don't you even say that. Don't you understand? You're chasing them away. See, that's what a mercy person does. But a black and white prophetic person says, wait a minute, you're just compromising. You're just, you're just opening the door for the devil to have his way. And so you have these kind of things going on in the body of Christ. And one of the, this is why it's, you know, let, let, me, let me share something with you that's uh, something that I think is kind of interesting. We all have ever probably seen Joel Osteen I mean, here here is a guy, if there's ever a guy that has the gift of mercy, it's Joel Osteen. I've heard some people call me up and they'll ask, Pastor Ray, what do you think about Joel Osteen? I think he's a false prophet, don't you think he is? I said, no, no, he's not a false prophet. Yeah, but he never preaches repentance. He never preaches on sin. He never preaches about hell. He never tells the truth. I said, wait a minute, hold your horses. Yeah, but he's not preaching the whole gospel. You know why he's not? Because he's a mercy man. Now, what, what people need to understand is even on TV, you have different ministries 
I mean, first of all, you've got your David Wilkerson's who are your prophets. Now, how many of you know David Wilkerson is not as popular as Joel Osteen? And yet you'll have people, you're going to have some people in, in the greater public out here that say, Joel Osteen, man, he's my man, he's the guy, he's great, great stories, he gives hope to the hopeless, man, he's my hero. Well, you know what? Joel Osteen has his place, and it's important. But I'll tell you one thing. You'll never grow strong on a Joel Osteen message. You'll feel good. You'll feel hope. You'll feel like God still matters and God has a lot of hope. But you cannot grow because Joel Osteen, I'm going to say it carefully here. Joel Osteen is a milk message messenger. He preaches milk. He doesn't preach meat. Because why is that? What are you saying, Pastor? Are you saying he's not preaching the whole council? No, he's really not. And it's not his calling. That there's that what Joel Osteen is doing as a mercy messenger, he's reaching a lot of people and giving hope to a lot of people who've really given up on God, given up on themselves. But you cannot grow on a Joel Osteen message because he doesn't preach the whole council. You know, you're going to get your David Wilkerson's, you're going to get your Jack Hayford's, who apostolic teachers in the body of Christ. They're going to bring and they're going to do more of an expository type teaching of the word. And those kind of ministries are where you're going to get grounded and established. But your Joel Steens are more of your evangelistic. They're the guys who know how to catch the fish. They just don't do a good job cleaning the fish. Okay. And, and, and that's... But here's what's so sad in the body of Christ. People, people like have the same problem that happened back in the day of the Apostle Paul. Remember 1 Corinthians 3, where the Corinthians were divided in the church and said, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. And there was division in the church. Remember, Apollos means eloquent. He, his ministry literally means a waterer. Every time, you got, every time Apollos spoke, people would come out feeling refreshed. Man, every time I hear Apollos, it's just so refreshing. He just lifts me up. Mercy, mercy. Paul comes along and he lays teaching. He lays some, he's a foundation layer. He lays teaching of God's word. He lays, draws some lines. He talks about sin. He deals with issues of repentance and uh, accountability and spiritual authority. Second Corinthians 10, if you read that whole uh, scenario there in Second Corinthians 10, and the Bible said there of the Corinthian church, they said, we cannot stand the Apostle Paul because his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Can you imagine? Now, here, here, here's an apostle. We like Apollos better. He doesn't step on our toes. Apollos makes me feel, man, he just kind of gives me that, Oh, and by the way, here's the point. You need both. You have to have both. We need the Joel Osteens, but you also need the Jack, the Jack Haffords. You need the, the teachers. If all you have was a Joel Osteen, you're not going to grow strong in the Lord because he's a milk messenger. But you, you can't just live on all meat either. You, there are times where we need to be watered and refreshed. 
You have to have the balance. So I, I, I tell people all the time, they call me up, well, what do you think? I think Joel Osteen's a false prophet. No, no. You need to know his giftings. And there are people today, even in the church, and I don't receive that ministry, but I like that ministry. You know what Paul says about that? He says, you're carnal and you're unwise when you compare ministries against ministries. To say, oh, I, I can receive from him, but I can't receive from him, her or him. The Bible says you're foolish and you're unwise. And see, what the thing is, you have not come to understand the purpose of different ministries. And so when we come down to the concept and understanding the ministry of mercy, we need to realize that God brings balance in the body of Christ. And uh, we're going we're, we're to look at some of these balances here. Well, let's, let's look at what God thinks about mercy, first of all. Uh, who's got a Bible here? You've got a Bible? Okay, somebody look up Proverbs 21, 21. Uh, someone else look up Proverbs 14, 31. And let's also look at 1 Peter 2, 10. Who's got the first one? Proverbs 21, 21. Okay, Damien? Speak up loud for everyone to hear. Okay. What what translation are you reading? Okay, okay. I thought it said it honors God. And maybe that maybe that's it, but good. Good. Next next scripture, uh, Proverbs fourteen thirty one. Who's got that one? Okay. Go ahead. Okay. That's the scripture I was thinking about. Okay. Good. He who oppresses the poor oppresses his maker, but he who has mercy honors the king. First Peter two ten. Who's got First Peter? 2? Okay, Oscar. He's talking there about our calling and who we are. We did not have mercy, but now we have obtained mercy, and we are what we are because of mercy. Amen? You know, I, I don't want to turn there for the sake of time, but First, first Kings chapter 3, 1, it might be Second Kings. Let, let me make sure my address, I thought I got that right. Uh, yeah, it's First Kings, First Kings, chapter three. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just read something to you here that I thought was really interesting. This is about Solomon. Many of you know this. This is when he had come into the kingdom as king. He had been set in as king. And uh, I want you to notice something here. It says. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1. It says, In Solomon, verse 3, 1 Kings 3, verse 3, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Another message right there. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. 
At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Now, I want you to notice Solomon's response here. This is powerful. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and an understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among all the kings all your days. Powerful promise, amen? I want you to notice something what Solomon says here in his time with the Lord. He says, he remembered He says, you have shown great mercy to my father, David. I want you to think about that. That tells me that Solomon obviously must have heard of David's mistakes. Somewhere along the line, David began to calculate. God had showed mercy to my dad. He was merciful to my dad. And it was that understanding that become the thing that drew Solomon to the Lord. That meant that Solomon, somewhere along the line, I I believe, the Bible doesn't give any instance where a conversation occurred, but somehow Solomon must have figured it out. My dad had an affair with my mother's husband fell into adultery and my stepfather was killed by the man who is now my dad. That's that's a pretty horrendous thought, isn't it? Think about that. Man, I am the son of a woman who my mother had an affair with and I am now the king. How many of you believe that's mercy? Most of us today would say, forget that guy. Don't let him be promoted. But here, I want you to get this. 
Solomon in this encounter with God, because the Bible says that the Lord appeared to Solomon, and in that appearing, Solomon reflects and he begins to say, Lord, as you showed great mercy to my father David. What I'm trying to say here, it is so important as parents that we convey to our children the mercy of the Lord. I also believe that David not only showed mercy, but in fact, you'll find that David showed mercy all of his life. There's his other counterpart. Remember Saul? Saul did not have a son who sat on the throne. In fact, all of Saul's sons were what? They were killed. And have you ever realized why? Because Saul did not show mercy. Remember when David was in the kingdom? David was serving Saul. Remember what Saul would do? He tried to kill David. Saul tried to kill. I'll tell you, when you do a study between David and Saul, you will find, and you'll find over and over and over and over, especially in the Psalms, where David would always write about the mercy of the Lord. He says this in one Psalm, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the reason why we find it here is because David was a man of mercy. When you are a man of mercy, guess what? Mercy comes on your children and it comes on the next generation and the next. But when you, ref when you refuse to show mercy, guess what? Mercy's cut off from you and sadly, it's cut off from your children. It's something you don't want to mess with. I do not want to cut off mercy. I want to show mercy. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I can't get one amen out of anybody. That's an important thought. I need to be a merciful man. But, but, but this is really the heart of God. People who have this particular gift have a desire to show mercy and it's not just because they have a merciful heart. The gift implies that they've had a revelation of the Father. And that is critical because, let me tell you right now, all of us have a breaking point. There is a point where we can stop showing mercy. That's why we need to continually uh, uh, draw on that resource of the Holy Spirit through prayer every day. If, you're, if you don't have a prayer life right now, I guarantee you, you're not going to be a merciful man or woman. You're going to find yourself being short. I'm going to cut off. I've had enough. I'm done with you. That's it. There's something wrong there about mercy. Something, something's missing if we cannot show mercy. The mercy gift. We find that Solomon, in his prayer, remembered the mercy. That meant that Solomon connected some dots and he realized, well, my dad was a failure. He tempted the Lord. He had an adulterous... He was a murderer. He made some bad judgment calls, but he humbled himself, called out to God, and God showed mercy. He remembered the Lord. You know one thing I found out, at least as a parent myself, when I take ownership of my problems and my sins, and I let my kids know that God was merciful to me. You know what that does with your kids? It draws your kids to 
for the Lord. But if you never, ever open up and you never let them see your human side and let them even see your weaknesses and how God shows mercy to you in your time of failure and weakness, if you never let them see that, woe be to you. You know, there's a a dilemma, I think, on a lot of Christian hearts today, is that we strive to be the perfect parent. We want to be a parent that doesn't show weakness or I don't want my kids to see my failures or my faults or my problems. I'm not suggesting we go out and bring all our dirty laundry and lay it on them. But there's times where we need to, and I think it's important, going back to Deuteronomy 8 and 6, it's interesting what God told Israel. He says, when your son comes and asks you, what does it mean that we were once slaves in Egypt and we were brought out here and we're a chosen nation to be taken into the... What does that mean, Dad? God said to Israel, he's talking about every man, he says, you are to tell your children that you were once slaves in Egypt. In other words, you're to let your kids know. There were times where I had no control over what was going on in my life. There things were out of control. Things went haywire. And and I was in the slavery of bondage. But God came and showed mercy to my life. And yet today, that kind of thinking, somehow in the mind of a lot of people, is, well, that's weakness. I don't want to tell my kids that I was in bondage to something and let them know that that God was now merciful to me. I mean, it makes them think that I, won't they think that I'm some kind of a weakling? No, the opposite will happen. Actually, your kids will come to respect you when you're honest with them. But if you kind of give this appearance, I, I have never had any problem in my life. I've done this, I've done it all well. I've got accomplishments and degrees, and I've done this, and I've worked this hard. Look what I, look what your dad has done all these years. I've never failed. You know what they want to do with you? Okay, dad. Oh, Mr. High and Mighty. I'm going to stay away from you. That's why God has given us grace. That's why it's a, that's why grace is. Now, people who have the gift of mercy understand the importance of being genuine and real. People who have the gift of mercy have no problem. Actually, sometimes they might give a little more detail than they need to. But they have no problem being real. And people with the gift of mercy can spot a phony in the crowd. I can tell you're a phony. They can spot it and they can't stand it. Okay? Let's look at some of the uh, qualities down here. Notice three major observations at the bottom of your page. First phrase. With this gift, there is a need. There is the need to understand the knowledge of God's Word in order to maintain proper balance. Like anything, this particular gift can get out of balance. And when people who have the gift of mercy get out of balance, I want to say this really carefully. People with the gift of mercy who get out of balance can be easily taken advantage of. Let me say it again. They can be taken advantage of. 
And here's the reason why. People with the gift of mercy have a problem in wanting to please everybody. We don't want to please everybody. And that's, that's a problem. I want to please them. I want to, want, to, want to win them. I know I might be the living sacrifice, but I want to win them. You can't do that. That's, that's the out of balance here. That's, that's part of the weaknesses here. Number two characteristic of this gift identifies with the heart of God more than any of the other gifts mentioned. It really does because in this particular gift, as far as the strength side of this, it really shows us the heart of God. The desire to show mercy, compassion, and really reach people. Uh, Number three, the gifts demonstrates the quality and fruit of one who has truly been converted into Christianity. In fact, that, that is one of the real signs of genuine conversion. On your next page, turn over, let's look at some of the strengths and other observations here. <clears throat> really important here. Characteristic, the strength here on this particular gift, an ability to sense genuine love. A greater vulnerability to deeper and more frequent hurts from the lack of love. person here who has this gift, they can sense genuine love. They know when you're real. The potential misuse on the other side is failing to be firm and decisive when necessary. A person with this gift, they, they just cannot hold their ground. The tendency is to be rolled over, uh, run over. I am... All right, I'll give you mercy again. Okay, I know I told you no, 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 but I'll give in again and give in and give in and give in and give in until they just walk all over you. person with the gift of mercy forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives almost to the fault. By the way, can you forgive to a fault? Yes, you can. I want to say that again. You can forgive to the fault where the, to the point is a person absolutely, actually has no respect for you. And that's where, that's where a person who has the gift of mercy needs to be grounded with others who are balanced, probably more so with a prophetic ministry gifting person. Uh, like I said, opposites do attract in this area, even in marriage or even in the church. Uh, a person here, they can sense real love. They can spot a phony in the crowd. Number two. Number two, a need for deep friendships in which there is mutual commitment. These people are just people-oriented. People with mercy gift, they love people. They love to be around people. They know how to connect with people. They just are people, people, people. They just connect with people. Usually people with the mercy gifting has no enemies because they're just merciful. They just, just everybody loves them to death. Now, people that don't have this gift usually can look down or despise people with this gift because they think, you know what, you are just so you are just nothing but one big hunk of compromise. And that's not necessarily the case. People with the gift of mercy, they just happen to see the best in people. They want to win. They want to win them. And I'm going to be a friend of the sinner. I will be a friend to them. I might be the only friend they have on the face of the planet. I know they backslid. They, they lie. They... They've never kept their word, but I will believe in them. People with this gift of mercy. Number two, the potential misuse is taking up offenses for those who have been hurt. The tendency is sometimes to take up offense because usually people who are offended 
will usually go to the person who has the gift of mercy. They love to use the person with the mercy gift as a sounding board or even, I call it, a pin cushion. I'm going to let you know. I, I got Nobody will listen to me, but I'm going to let you know what I'm going to because nobody, nobody understands. And the person with the gift of mercy will give their hours and days and listen and listen to the point, even where some people lose their sleep, lose their health, and the husband comes home or the wife comes home and says, what have you been doing all day? I've been on the phone. Sister so-and-so is just going through something. You've been on the phone for how many hours? Six hours. I know it's been long, but she needs me. That's the gift of mercy. They need me. Yeah, but the dishes aren't done. The dog's not been taken out. I know, I know what they do, but they need me. And I need them. That's the mercy gift. Okay. I know I'm probably a little extreme here. <laughs> Some extreme here. <laughs> but but a, a big tendency to be merciful, forgiving, forgiving to the point. Okay. Number three, a tendency to react harshly. When intimate friends are rejected. You rejected them? You mean you didn't invite them over? Why? Well, I just didn't think we would. I, I, I can't believe you would reject them. Uh, here, we should never assume that those with this gift are just nice, nice people or wishy-washy. They can have strong negative reactions for positive reasons as well, like rejection. It will also demonstrate loyalty toward the rejection and defend them. Highly motivated for personal relationships and, for, and toward a cause of maintaining a cause. For instance, in Luke 9:54, the Samaritans who rejected Jesus wanted to call fire down from heaven, but we find here that Jesus was merciful here. Uh, the tendency, the potential misuse number three, base basing decisions on emotions rather than reason. The tendency with mercy people, potentially, is they're not necessarily principled. They're, they're more concerned about the emotions. They see the tears, they see the hurts, and they, they want to help people in their emotional state. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not principled, but the tendency is, is to almost to, the, to a fault I don't care what principle says. They're hurting and I'm going to be there for them and I'm going to lift them up. And I believe we should do that. But to the point where they may not uh, make uh, take a stand on some situations that may need to be taken because they're concerned about the emotional well-being of a person who may be hurting or be going through a situation. Number four, a greater concern over emotional, mental joy and distress than physical concerns. They tend to show concern over the emotional needs of those hurting and can understand the full scope of emotions in that individual. By the way, these kind of people also make great counselors. They can see, they have tremendous insight into people. People with the mercy gifting, tremendous insight. They can connect with people very well. That's a very positive sign with this mercy gifting, by the way. They an intuitive understand, understand the problem. They can zero in on something and see it and detect it and go right to the point of the problem because of their intuitive gift there. Number four, promoting uh, the potential misuse is promoting improper affections 
uh, possibly for those of even of the opposite sex if they're not careful. Anybody, let, let's just be very straightforward here. First of all, and we recommend this here at New Life, uh, nobody should be counseling the opposite sex period. Uh, now, I, even if I do, I'm always with my wife. Uh, that's just wisdom, okay? And then there's some things I won't even try to get into. But there, there, there needs to be, especially if you have the mercy gifting, and because people with the mercy giftings really tend to open their heart to a person uh, and they tend to believe everything. I believe what they say. I know you don't, but I believe them. And you know, the, the tendency to believe in them and even open to their heart, be very vulnerable to them. Anybody have any questions, thoughts, insights? Want to throw the book at me, anything? <laughs> yes, Shelly. Uh-huh. The tendency is to open their heart. And that, that's why accountability is so critical with, uh, with people like this. Uh, it, it's so important. I mean, they're they're, it's so needed, though, in the body of Christ, by the way. By the way, people with mercy giftings are, are usually great uh, as, as far as particular aspects of men, uh, church, uh, areas of serving in the church. People with mercy giftings are people that, that do really well in reaching out to the poor, reaching out to the needy. They're excellent in counseling, as long as there's uh, balanced accountability there. Uh, they're excellent in going after new people because uh, they just open up and receive. And they really, people with the mercy gift really know how to make you feel at home. They just make you feel like they really like you. I like you a lot because I believe in you. And you go away, wow, that person's really a friendly person. Well, that's the gift kicking in. Uh, and and uh, they, they really know how to make you just feel like you're a million bucks. You know, you're just, you're, you're all that. Wow, that person, it could be the mercy gift kicking in on that. Okay. Uh, okay, number five. A tendency to attract people who are having mental and emotional distress. And they do. Uh, they, they attract them because... They know how to connect with their lives and their needs. Uh, number five, the tendency is to cut off fellowship with those who are insensitive to others. People with the mercy gifting some, some, can sometimes look at others and say, they have no mercy, no love for anybody. I'm cutting them off and writing them off and saying that they're not even necessary. How can that person ever be used in the ministry? There's no love, no care for anything person with the mercy gifting can write people off because they, it, like anything, it's possible to have tunnel vision. You have tunnel vision and you basically see the world through your eyes and through your gifting and everybody should see it like I see it. They should see it like I see it. If they don't see it like you see it, 
Well, they don't have the love of God in them like I do. That's a tendency, potential tendency. Um, Number six, a need to measure acceptance by physical closeness and quality time together. They may not necessarily get the lesson done. They may not get the message done, but we spent time together, and that's what matters. We had time together. What did you get accomplished? The The prophetic guy would say, what did you get accomplished today? Well, we didn't get anything accomplished, but we had time together. That's what matters. person with mercy has that kind of thought. Now, people who are at the mercy gifting, please don't write bad letters to me after the end. <laughs> because there's a lot of positive qualities with this gift. <clears throat> uh, number six, reacting to God's purpose and allowing people to suffer. Ooh. Reacting to God's purpose. Now, why would God let anybody suffer? It's a possibility here. Number seven, a desire to remove the causes of hurts rather than to look for the benefits from them. A desire to remove the causes. I want to remove the cause that brought the hurt. There's no benefit in this at all. There's no benefit. God could not allow. This can't be from God. People who are in the mercy gifting will tend to be enablers. They will tend to protect the ones they actually love and actually can create harm. Maybe God's trying to deal with somebody and they will actually become a net. I'm going to catch you if you fall. I'll be there because I'm not going to let you hit the ground. I will not let you hit the ground. I will protect you. And that is a real fallacy with people with the gift of mercy. You've got to learn to let go and let God deal with it. It's so important with the the gifts of mercy. Actually, you might even create a greater problem if you don't get out of the way. Uh, Number seven, the characteristic, a desire to remove the... Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Number seven, potential misuse, sympathizing with those who are violating God's standards. Potential misuse of sympathizing with those who violate God's standards. Number eight, a tendency to avoid decisions and firmness unless they will eliminate greater hurts. We try to get a decision out of sometimes a person who has this gift and you can't get it. What are you going to do? I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just can't give a decision right now. Uh, number eight, the potential misuse, establishing positive friendships with others. Or possessive, I'm sorry. Establishing possessive friendships with others. Number nine, the tendency to be attracted to those with the spiritual gift of prophecy. Now, there is an attraction. Like I said, opposites do attract. But along the way, there can, they can rub the wrong way. Because the prophets are, like I said, they're so focused on principle, black and white. This is what the Bible says. This was the goal intended. We set the standard. This is, this, this is where we're going, and we're not going to deviate. The person with the mercy gift has a problem with that. You're so rigid. You're so stiff. Come on. Just, you, 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 just, you got your standards in line, don't you? Are you happy now? You got your standards. 
You cut your standard. We're doing it by the rules. You're legalist. You are a legalist. You're the person with the mercy gift. You're just a legalist. And the guy with the prophetic gift says, wait a minute. I'm not a, we, we, we drew a line. We set standards. We had a plan. Here's the blueprint. We got some goals. We need to follow the blueprint. Oh, yeah, that's all you want to do. Just follow the blueprint. You don't care for anybody. But, by the way, you, I've been down this road. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Uh, you, you got both, but you need the balance. Now, yes, the prophetic guy can be so rigid, rules and regulations and goals and standards. Yes, he's got to have that. And you need there needs to be grace on the other side too. You got to have balance, but you got to know. And the real the real key here is the wisdom and the knowledge of God. As you grow in the Lord, and it's really the key here and becoming balanced in this. Uh, the t- potential misuse here, number nine, a tendency to be very subjective, and that's true. The prophetic guys are very objective, where the person with the gifting ministry is very subjective rather than objective when it comes to right and wrong. We've already talked about that. Number ten, will grow to great lengths to make sacrifices to prove one's genuine love. This is a tremendous uh, positive about them. Is These are the kind of people you can count on, I mean really count on, to connect with people and to make sure that people are taken care of, they're ministered to, the needs are met. These are people you can really count on with this particular gift of mercy. Number 10, the potential misuse, the tendency to put oneself in spiritual jeopardy at times in order to convey love and acceptance uh, to its recipient. That's very obvious, uh, self-explanatory there. Number 11, may be able to demonstrate periods of extended long-suffering and patience until the recipient is willing to make the required adjustment. In other words, we're going to be patient. Especially the opposite again. The prophet, they set goals. We have time frame. We need to get it done. The Percy with the mercy gifting. What's the hurry? We've been waiting for the guy to change for five years. Yeah, well, but what's your problem? God's long suffering. See, and people with the mercy gifting cannot stand time frame, especially when it comes to helping people. We just got to give them mercy. We got to give them lots of time. Now, when, when, when we become balanced in this thing, uh, again, we, we, and it's really critical here, we, we come to... Uh, let, let me show you something with Jesus. I, I love what Jesus did with the woman caught in the act of adultery. Here shows tremendous mercy on the woman caught in the act. They brought her out, threw her down. The, the Sadducees, Pharisees said, what, what do you think we should do? Moses said, according to the law, she should be stoned. Jesus says, he was without sin, let him cast the first stone. And of course, Jesus here is showing mercy. But then he comes back, and this is important. He tells her, go and sin no more. And that's the balance. Uh, that Yes, we want to stand with the person who's being condemned. We want to stand with them and for them and Believe in them and believe in restoration. If a brother be overtaken of all, you which are spiritual, restoring the spirit of meekness, considering yourself. Yes, we want to do that. 
But we also need to minister truth. That's the balance. We've got to have the balance on these things. Uh, <clears throat> what number was I on? Okay, uh, number uh, the, the potential misuse may seem to appear that standards are not important until the recipient comes to a place of change. Number 12, a tendency to be more concerned about the relationship with those in authority rather than upholding the standard that should be carried out. A tendency to be more concerned about the relationship with those in authority rather than upholding the standard. Number 12, a tendency to ignore the important issues that are needed to be addressed in any given situation. And the reason is, is because they're concerned about how a person's, the state of mind, the emotional state that a person may be going through. They may look like or have a tendency to ignore, but a person who is mature in the Lord will not ignore it. I, 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 I do not want to put this gifting tonight in a negative light because it's so important. There's a tremendous long-suffering of patience and a, and, a, and a grace that is on a person who has this gift. And it is needed in the body of Christ because people, there's no other gifting that I think conveys the sense of faith in people like those who have the gift of mercy, to believe in people. People have the gifts of mercy or have tremendous faith in people. I believe in you. They will convey that. And that, that is so important, okay? Uh, I, I, I don't want to put that down in any way, shape, or form. Number 13, the inability... Did I get 12? Number 13, an ability to reach and connect with people who feel that others have rejected when others have rejected them. The potential misuse is in inability to be confrontational with those who need adjustment. This is, uh, again, a, a potential issue there. All right. Now, if you have this gift of mercy, you thank God that you have it. Amen? Right. <laughs> And you know what? We all need to grow in mercy. We all need to grow in this. I think for a long time the church has been short with people. We do need to be merciful, but we also need to be people of principle and we can be balanced. Amen? Amen. You know, my wife, I thank God for... I am definitely prophetic. I, am, I tend to be black and white. But my wife, thank God for her grace. Yeah, because that's... You need that. You need... Uh, you need the strengths of each other. My, my, my prayer is that we come to appreciate what we are in the church. Okay, let's, let's don't villainize and put people down. And also, let's also recognize that people are at stages of growth. Okay? And they may not be where God wants them to be yet. Well, in fact, none of us are. But let's learn to work with people. Okay? Let's, let's don't just quit on people, give up on them, learn to realize that we're on the potter's wheel and God's working on us. The sad thing about our society is we leave churches, we leave marriages, we leave jobs, we split, we learn how to run, and yet we don't even realize God has us where we're at for a reason. Now, I understand there's times where God 
moves us in places. But where God has us, we need to let God continue to work with the people God's put around us. Okay? Don't ever run from a problem. I mean, you move when God moves you, but, but don't ever run from a problem. Amen? Don't quit a job. Don't leave a marriage. Don't leave a church. Don't leave a friend. Learn to say, Lord, what are you saying? Boy, this person is, I'm having a hard time. Learn to work with it. Learn to let God work. Amen? I'll tell you one, one thing I've learned if I've read it, uh, the Old Testament enough, uh, and it was Israel. Uh, if you didn't learn the lesson the first time around the mountain, you've got to go around the mountain again. And it can be in this church or the next church or the next. God will take you. It may be a different face, a different place, but you're going to go around it again until you pass the test. All right. Althea. Go.